his karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams, thanks for everything, mom and dad, will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. Hello and welcome to another edition of Second Amendment Radio and the Great Outdoors. My name is Tony Colombo. Thank you so much for joining us today. Joining me in studio is, of course, our producer, Chad Ellis, and hello, hello. my partner, Bo Matthews. Great to see you, my friend. How's it going? Been a great week. This weather is phenomenal. It got, it changed. We what went you- from horrible it like it's warmer now it, it's actually decent well it's cooler than it was the, this past week right i will tell you on wednesday are you saying the snow is the wonderful thing like the freezing i'm from minnesota that's nothing that ain't even i agree snow. <laughs> it wasn't nothing but i do i do prefer 50s than 20s so on wednesday on tuesday i get a phone call uh from the guy that i had in here from uh, stream adventures brian wordle when you were on vacation i had him come in right that's right and he calls me Tuesday and says, hey, you want to go fishing tomorrow? Oh. I had to go on the Conservation Department website to get a one-day fishing pass, which, of course, he busted me on. He goes, pay the $5 extra. You can fish any time between now and next. I'm like, what? So we Both go out. Things. Actually, right now is not a great time to buy your, because it would expire in February. So you did the right thing. No, 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 no. This guy fishes like every week. Right. Uh, throughout the year. Are you going to go every week? <laughs> no, I'm not. That's, That's what, what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, no. I, He's going to get forced out. You're, if you buy it now, it expires in February, so it's not worth it. Right. No, I, it was $7. In February, buy it and get the whole year. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. We go out on the big river, secret honey hole he found, nice. and we went out bass fishing, and we had a blast. I've got. I have actually put together a video on uh, my my Facebook page, uh, Bo Matthews. You can search that. Great video. We had a great time. Four hours. And I'm so jealous. It's been, it's been over a month since I've fished, and that's for me. That's an eternity. And we didn't get skunked either. Good we, for you. It wasn't really busy, but I'm telling you, Tony, I don't know how to what? connect. Where were you on the river? The Big River, the Mississippi. No, 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 the Big River. The Big River. Yes, it's I called the yep, Big River. I have yep. Jeff County. Yep, but been there. I've never, I've never uh, caught and released. I've never catch, catch and release fished. You eat everything you catch? Absolutely. What a man. You are a man. I grew up in Minnesota. I mean, unless it's nasty or, you know, one-eyed or something. I'd be 600 pounds if I ate everything I caught. When he told me it was catching releases, you should have seen his face. He was so sad. (laughs) I told my... So my dad was here a year ago, and I, I said, oh, let's, I'm going to have this guy take you out fishing. When I told him uh, the other night that uh, that it was catch and release, he goes, I'm not doing it. I'm not going. You ain't taking this fish and throwing it back in the water. That's hilarious. Because I'm like, why are we out here then? I mean, really, why are you out there? For the fun of it. For the sport of it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't I, 90% of the time that I fish is catch and release. Oh, we bass fish. I mean, we take pictures, we weigh them, that kind of stuff. I'm sorry, I'm for, a purist. But but we do we do you know every year try to do a fish fry where we catch all the fish and we eat them, or if we catch a big catfish or something, we'll we'll keep it. But I'm I am primarily a bass fisherman. It's very much for the sport of it. I I've, I tried it. I enjoyed it, but I just I I couldn't believe. What were we, you targeting? Bass, smallmouth okay, bass, good for you, yeah. well, largemouth too, but we only caught small. Uh, smallmouth bass are the best pound for pound fighters. Great stuff. And the they're absolutely river fishing for smallmouth bass is is tough to beat. 
And like I said, I grew up in Minnesota where we fished. You know, I fished as a kid a lot. Mm-hmm. My my aim, and I impressed Brian with my aim of my casting. Mm-hmm. It was the setting the hook thing that that I was not I was not doing well on. Mm-hmm. But you know, it was like fishing with my dad. Were you in a <laughs> um? Were you in a bass boat? Uh, jet boat, little okay, yeah. yeah, little jet boat. It oh, was yeah. four hours. He asked me, he goes, uh, uh, so how are your sea legs? I said, I'm okay. <laughs> I didn't realize we were going to be out there four hours. My core is so tight right now. It's just... <laughs> you look great. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I appreciate that. Because it ain't fat and full with fish in my belly. <laughs> that is great. I went and got a fish sandwich, by the way. Uh, On the way home, I got a fish sandwich. (laughs) Just to make up for it. Just to make up for throwing them all back. That's great. So, yeah, we uh, appreciate you joining us for another edition of Second Amendment Radio and The Great Outdoors. Got a great show on tap for you today. Coming up in the next segment, we're going to be talking to our friend Tim Shelsbick from Drury Outdoors. He is the uh, co-host of their podcast. And uh, now that rifle season is in full swing, we've got a lot of uh, hunting to talk about with Tim. Uh, right now, though, we want to go to our good friend Aaron Tarlow, the owner of Southern Armory, who joins us uh, from a cave deep in the woods somewhere in America where he is fighting for your freedoms and truth and justice. Great to talk to you, Aaron. How are you doing? I'm good, Tony. How are you? I am great. Great to talk to you, my friend. Uh, I want to, uh, you know, everybody knows Aaron is the owner of Southern Armory. I want to talk about Southern Armory and get into what's happening there here in, in, in a few minutes. But uh, I want to get into some of these stories to start the conversation and get your reaction to some of the news happening this week. Um, when I saw this story, Aaron, you're the first person I thought of, and I wanted to get your thoughts on it. We, we on this show, Aaron's been with this show since day one. And unfortunately, what, 90% of the news stories we've done on this show, Aaron, have been negative and have been about people trying to take away your gun rights, right? I mean, it's always negative news. Um, This is a little bit of positive news and something that is starting to catch on. And I want to, again, I want to hear what you have to say about this. A Florida county this week was the latest to declare itself a Second Amendment sanctuary. We're so used to talking about sanctuary cities, which are all these cities and counties popping up uh, around the country that are uh, that say that they won't enforce um, uh, immigration laws. And, you know, we have judges helping to hide uh, immigrants from uh, illegal immigrants from ICE agents. Um, And so sanctuary cities has become something we've we're very familiar with. But these now what is happening as a rebuttal is these Second Amendment sanctuaries. In a unanimous decision, the Lake County Board of Commissioners, again, this is in uh, Central Florida, passed a resolution declaring itself a Second Amendment sanctuary. The Central Florida Florida County is the latest municipality in the United States to pass a measure vowing to protect residents from attempts at gun control. Cities and and counties in Illinois, Colorado, and California, some of the most uh, uh, gun-grab Uh, states there are uh, have done this as well I think to protect themselves Uh, they've also uh, counties in these states Illinois Colorado and California have also proclaimed themselves sanctuaries saying they won't enforce laws that infringe on residents rights to bear arms Uh, what's your what's your reaction to that are you uh, um, uh, a supporter of these cities and counties passing laws and becoming second amendment sanctuaries and saying, we're not going to enforce laws that take people's guns. Absolutely. They're upholding their, their uh, sworn pledge to uphold the constitution and protect your second amendment. Right. So there's not an asterisk on the, 
on the back of that Second Amendment uh, that I saw. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, I've got a copy of the uh, Bill of Rights I carry with me. You've seen that. It's in mm-hmm, my wallet. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've actually got one that's um, like a photocopy on parchment paper, uh, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so I got that in, at Constitution Hall uh, when I was in Philadelphia. So uh, with all that being said, um, you know, some states like Kansas have uh, gone on to say, you know, basically the federal gun control doesn't count here in uh, our state. And the, uh, there's been people that have challenged that by building their own NFA weapons uh, or NFA items, I should say, um, like suppressors and short rifles and whatnot. And then those individuals, um, the feds try to come in and enforce it. And a lot of those cases are still kind of up in the air um, because they, the way that the law was written, um, you know, they didn't cross state lines. They were manufactured with only things in that state and therefore not subject to it. So it's, it's great to see these individual uh, cities um, taking uh, initiative on doing this. Um, but, you know, we need to get the states involved, too. When you get enough states that do it, um, eventually the federal government um, is going to have um, quite a situation on their hands where they're going to have to make some decisions. Yes. You know, living in, living in Missouri, we, we know we have a very liberal, uh, you know, a very open gun rights. Yeah. Concealed, yeah, we're lucky. Concealed carry. We mm-hmm. are lucky. But how are they doing this? You listed off Illinois in that story. How is Illinois well, doing this? Illinois... Colorado and California. Yeah, but so Illinois these, has such tough gun laws. Well, I think, but it, just like Illinois and California, uh, just like um, uh, in Illinois that we've seen here, and I'm sure it's the same way in Colorado and California, there are still very, there are still pockets of those states that are very red and don't like what's going on around them, but they, they don't have enough population to, uh, you know, uh, influence statewide votes. Okay. But I mean, Aaron, right? We th- There's... Plenty of very conservative pockets in even some of the most uh, liberal, liberal states. states. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, like, you look at Illinois, and you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir here. You know, uh, Illinois is is primarily controlled by Springfield and uh, the Chicago uh, areas, which are very, very blue. But then you look at the rest of the state, and they're all uh, conservatives. Right. right. Yeah. That, exactly. I think that's one of the reasons that the petition to separate Illinois into Northern mm-hmm. Illinois. Oh and yeah. Illinois, yeah. Mm-hmm. has really caught really caught on and I, I meet people from Illinois and I say, Hey man, make sure you go sign this petition because, you know, if you guys could make a southern Illinois and, and make a fifty first state, man, that'd be just great. You yeah. know, and uh, they could they could have their own you know, and they're seeing their tax dollars go out. And this is beyond the Second Amendment when we talk about Illinois. This is a whole other bag of worms that I've been following. But um, and there, but a lot of people I know in Illinois are tired of having their gun rights trampled on. They're yeah. tired of being taxed to death. Um, so I uh, I get it. And there's only I, I saw a recent article. There's only a few counties left that they got to get the um, number of signatures in that county to start separating the state. So hopefully they're they're successful. Um, but you know, trying to counteract some of the gun laws is a is a great thing too. Yeah. So Aaron, to your point uh, that you said that at some point the. The federal government's going to have to step in and do something because we can't just allow this mess to continue. I am not a, I, I am not in favor of any area, city, county, whatever, just passing laws that say we don't have to follow the law. So I've, I've never liked that with sanctuary cities, and I'm not necessarily in support of this idea of Second Amendment sanctuaries, but I do like that we're, that people are fighting back. 
And I hope that it does, like you said, force the federal government to do something and say, look, we can't just have this craziness where every freaking township you, you pass into as you're traveling around the country that we have different uh, lawmakers, local lawmakers, passing laws that say we don't have to follow certain laws. We, we need to get it. It needs to all be uniform. Well, not, not uniform. I mean, not, you know, states' rights is something I'm a big supporter of. But yeah, I just don't like the I, I don't like the idea, just like I didn't like it with sanctuary cities, I don't like the idea of judges saying, well, here's a law that I do have to follow and here's laws that I don't have to follow. We need to, that, in my opinion, we got to knock that off. Right. I, I, I agree with you. Um, and this, I think, I am, might force everybody's hand because they're like, oh, hey, we got one over on them with the sanctuary cities. And now people are saying, oh, well, then we'll do our own thing. And people are right. reacting like, that's not fair. You can't do that. Well, you just right. did. So <laughs> it, it, it's, a, it's a huge you know, question, especially when it comes to um, the Tenth Amendment and uh, states' rights. But um, the problem with sanctuary cities, the, the problem with your, your Second Amendment, your gun control, as those are uh, immigration, um, securing the borders, things like that, and, and firearms. Those are all outlined uh, in your Bill of Rights. So now you're getting into really a constitutional question about what is specifically delegated to the federal government, what is specifically delegated to the states um, and, you know, the counties and the cities, et cetera, yeah. on down the line. But um, that's, a, you know, it's a great the great topic for discussion. I think that when we we go, we're, we're going to have a Second Amendment sanctuary city. I, you know, nobody's going to move, right? I mean, you're just not going to up sell your house and move into one of these towns because you're, you know, in, in the same state, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, just because they declared this. I think it's just a more of a political um, rattling, so to stay, uh, so to speak. Um, of well, if you can do this and we can do this. And, you know, and I think it's just it kind of maybe just points out the the absurdity on some of this stuff. But, yeah, the, the federal government's going to have their their hands full, um, especially the ATF. Yeah. When people when all these states start saying, no, if you want to possess machine gun suppressors um, and sharp rifles, uh, or I mean, all other weapons. Just wait until one of these just wait until one of these Second Amendment sanctuaries is bordering a sanctuary city and you've got people like. Just walking across the street and like, well, hey, over here, you can't touch anything about my guns. You can't even pass a law to take them away. Over here, you can pretty much do anything you want and laws don't matter. I mean, it's going to create a mess that somebody's going to have to address. Aaron, before we uh, let you go, uh, a little more in a minute to go, uh, Black Friday's right around the corner. Uh, Busy time at Southern Armory. What is happening at Southern Armory? So Black Friday uh, is our best sales of the year. Uh, we have other, you know, theme sales, but this one you get a free class, whether it's a defensive pistol class, which is just the next thing after you do your CCW, or a CCW class for free. We've also given out um, free time on the simulator as well. So that's a, a great way for you to get some added bonuses up to $150 on uh, top of your firearms purchase. It does not have to be an in-stock firearm. So We'll have you know a lot of firearms in stock uh, and duplicates of, but if you come in and you want something that we just don't have uh, or maybe we sold out of, um, is we're happy to order it for you. We're happy to still give you uh, that promotional item. And then on Cyber Monday, uh, we do our classes at a discount. You can get on southernarmory.com and uh, roll that roll down that on uh, Cyber Monday because we're closed on Mondays and uh, get some classes. We've had plenty of people take advantage of that. We've got classes. Uh, through December, d- through December, and I believe Jessica uh, was working on them for first quarter already. Very so, good. So, lots of options uh, for dates. So, if and you want to find us, 
Yeah, Southern Armory on Facebook, of course. Don't forget that. And, yeah, where are you guys located? Get ready, Chad. So, uh, 9901 Watson Road, one mile east of 270 and 44, and southernarmory.com. 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 That's southernarmory.com. Chad Chad insists on going last, Aaron. He makes Bo... What's he that makes about? Go, Bo go before him because he has to be the closer. We're having a meeting. He, oh, yeah, it's, yeah. it's very important to him to be the closer on the southernarmory.com. I think that's hilarious. Yeah. And then you can get on you can get on our Facebook, uh, Southern Armory's Facebook page, yes. and you can catch all the used guns we have coming in, and that's the best way to, to see a used gun. And if you want it, you know, jump on it. You, you send us a message, probably better off calling. Uh, cause if we're busy in store, we're not always answering messages. Uh, super quick, but you call, hey, is that gun still there? What's the price? Because we never post the price price on Facebook because we don't like getting bans. It's almost been a year since my last ban. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good thing. We need to Aaron. tell that story again very soon. Phenomenal. Um, yeah. Phenomenal. Yeah. And then, One uh, of my Second favorites. Amendment radio, Second Amendment Radio on uh, on there, too. I do some live streams and talk about uh, some more stories. Yeah. So, good stuff. Join us. Keep the conversation going. Protect your rights. You bet. That's right. Aaron Tarlow, the owner of Southern Armory, thank you so much. Have a great Thanksgiving. We will be here next week uh, doing another live show um, on Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, hopefully, Aaron, we can talk to you then. If not, I'm sure we'll talk to you again real, real soon. Thanks so much for your time. Yeah, we'll talk to you then. Bye. You sounds good. Yep. All right. We got to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to talk to Tim Shelsvik from Drury Outdoors. Hunting season, rifle season is in full swing. Talk to Tim about it next. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Second Amendment Radio and the Great Outdoors. Welcome back to Second Amendment Radio and the Great Outdoors. Big thank you to Aaron Tarlow, the owner of Southern Armory, for joining us in that. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Last segment, Tony Colombo here. Producer Chad Ellis there. And my partner, Bo Matthews, right there. Thank you so much for listening to the show this weekend. If uh, you missed anything in that first segment with Aaron, uh, Aaron is always a wealth of knowledge, starts the show with us almost every week. And uh, just a reminder, if you ever miss anything or you want to hear it again, you can do so on the radio.com app. App you can you can download the podcast of the show in many places pretty much anywhere you download podcasts but the best place to do so is the radio.com app because uh, it's basically one stop shopping for everything here at the radio station you can stream the station twenty four seven you can download this show and uh, all the podcasts from all the shows on the radio station and you can also rewind we have a brand new radio rewind feature on the radio.com app, which allows you to be listening to live radio, just like if you're watching live television on your DVR, and uh, you know, you're listening to us talk to Aaron Tarlow, and he says something uh, interesting, and you're like, let me hear that again. You can just rewind live radio right there as far back as 24 hours. Or or you think, did Tony just say that? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Uh, so go and check that out on the radio.com app. And as I mentioned in the last segment, joining us now is our friend 
Tim Shelsvik, the Thinking Woodsman, uh, the Thinking Woodsman podcast. He also is with Drury Outdoors and their 100% Wild podcast. And uh, always great, especially now that we are in full swing rifle season here in the state of Missouri. Always great to talk to Tim about everything that is happening with hunting. Uh, great to talk to you, Tim. How's it going? What's up, boys? Hey, hey. How, how are you doing, my friend? I bet you have spent some... Uh, some time recently in a in a deer stand you would win that bet i did <laughs> um and, and and like a fair number of missourians i uh was actually hunting during rifle season with my archery equipment that's legal to do um you just need to purchase a firearms tag and you can continue hunting with your bow if you uh, just are a diehard bow hunter and just can't put it down um that's what i was doing and guess what i killed a deer nothing Oh. oh no! Well, I, actually, I killed a bunch of time. I killed Dang. Friday and Saturday and part of Sunday. <laughs> Nothing to show for it. You, right? Did you see anything? <laughs> I did. Yeah, you know, it, it's a part of the season. Uh, you know, it's it's the rut, so so the bucks are looking for does that are ready to be bred, and so you tend to see more bucks up and on their feet than you do any other time of year. That's kind of why they have rifle season planted here in Missouri and in Illinois where they do because it gives people the best opportunity at seeing a good deer. Um, but then we're starting to move into the period of time where the mature bucks are finding their hot does and they're locking down and bedding down with them and spending a lot of time tending that particular doe. So they're not moving a whole lot. They'll get up out of their bedroom and maybe walk 60 yards and get something to eat. And then they go right back. They just don't leave the does very much during this phase. And, uh, so it can get a little, a little challenging, um, uh, and, and movement can be a little bit different. Uh, a lot of times you hear people getting down out of their stands midday to go back for lunch and on their way back in, they bump the big boy <laughs> and they're kicking themselves for having gotten down. Well, this is the time of year where really those midday sits are your, are your best bet at, at intercepting a big mature buck. Uh, but I intercepted, uh, just some small bucks and some does last weekend. And I had a squirrel come and sniff my foot and then run away. <laughs> Got that so close. why, why yeah. for you, um, why do you stick with the archery setup uh, even in rifle season? Is it just personal preference, more fun for you? It is, yeah. I, I, I'm just uh, crazy about bow hunting, and uh, and I, I, you know, I I turkey hunt with a gun sometimes. I shoot squirrels with uh, with my 17 HMR. So I've got nothing against firearm hunting. Just when it comes to taking whitetails, I really prefer bow hunting them. Hmm. Very cool. Um, I wanted to make some people aware of this and get uh, uh, Tim and everybody's reaction to it. I didn't realize uh, that this is kind of a milestone year in the state of Missouri. Um, this year, Missouri is celebrating 75 years of modern deer hunting. Uh, there was a period of time before that uh, that the white-tailed deer population in the state of Missouri was decimated. The state once yep. had less than 500 deer in the wow. entire state. Uh, in 1937, Missouri approved the Conservation Commission, which immediately began to work to restore the deer numbers. And in 1944, 75 years ago, the state had its first modern deer season. Listen to this, Bo. That year, 1944, the first uh, year that they that they allowed people to hunt, um, it was a two day buck only season, limited to twenty counties. 
that it was wow. just a two-day season in 1944. Um, that year, 7,757 hunters went into the woods and harve- harvested 519 bucks. Today, half a million <laughs> hunters harvest a quarter of a million deer all over the state. So now it's quarter of a million in 1944. It was a two-day season, and only 519, only 519 bucks were killed that year. Um, I, I, when I read that story, Tim, I, I think that's super impressive. Is that as impressive as it sounds? And is that a, 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 a an issue that was sort of unique to Missouri, or was did there used to be a big problem in the entire country with this? Yeah, you talk to, I, I've got a buddy, Ed Hinch, he is, uh, he's in his 80s. He lived through that time when seeing a deer was like seeing a unicorn. Wow. Uh, you, they, they were they were so rare. And the same thing goes, I mean, turkey, wild, the wild turkey here in Missouri specifically followed kind of the same trajectory. Um, there were very few around, but what changed was, um, uh, was actually creating seasons and, uh, and, 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 and helping people understand the value these animals have and hunting dollars are what fund those restoration efforts. Uh, so, uh, so, so some of the deer that, that we now see in different parts of the, the Midwest were restocked from, uh, wild populations down deep in the Ozarks. Same thing with, uh, with wild turkeys. And that is the wild same turkeys argument. were taken from there. That is the same argument that uh, people have is like, why do you have to go hunt those deer? This just proves that the conservation department has done this strategically. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so, so we're living in the golden age of whitetail hunting and turkey hunting right now. Well, t- turkeys, uh, t- their populations peaked back in probably the early 2000s. I mean, there were tons and tons of turkeys in Missouri. They've kind of leveled out more to a sustainable level now, which is normal. We, in, in many places in Missouri, there are way too many whitetails for the carrying capacity of the land. And so the, so, uh, so limits are very generous in some places, a lot of places you can buy unlimited doe tags, uh, because there are just way too many. We know from car collisions and illness that, mm. that there's just uh, too many whitetails around. So hunting is the primary tool that, that conservation, uh, biologists use to control, uh, to control numbers. We're seeing kind of the same thing happen with elk. Imagine if there were no appetite for elk hunting in Missouri, does anyone really think that we would see the elk restoration efforts that the Department of Conservation picked up five or seven years ago? And like we now have a viable sustaining wild elk herd here in Missouri, they number somewhere around 200 or so. Um, and, and the Conservation Department is talking about having uh, our first elk season in modern history wow maybe next year um possibly the the following year just depending on numbers so and and same thing with bear hunting drives uh, the dollars from hunting really drive these these restoration efforts because hunters value these animals yeah you know i actually have a a a story that i want to get to in a little bit about um about the rising number of bear in the state of missouri which is uh absolutely something that i think uh many people would be surprised by uh but we're talking to tim shelsvik from jury outdoors talking hunting um you touched on something that probably to this audience is preaching to the choir but um it's more common, I think, than people realize. And tell me if you've how much you've come across this in 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 your life, Tim. That people that are close minded to the 
entire idea of hunting and fishing and you know shooting an animal that it's you know that it's just this this terrible thing they would they're they're shocked to find that it's the hunters and the fishermen and the people mm-hmm. that are that are out there you know killing these animals in, in in quotes that are the ones that are making sure that these animals are actually thriving and healthy and the population does stay up and it's the fishermen that keep the waters clean and the camp and the and the outdoorsmen who keeps the um uh the campgrounds clean uh, it, it, there's way more done by the people inside this industry that are these you know looked at some as these heartless you know killers with their guns than anybody else does anywhere else yeah and and i and I, I think it's i think it's probably the difference between having uh, like a mental ascent or a, a concept of a species versus having intimate personal knowledge of the animals so hunters have both of that mm-hmm. i think people who are just generally wildlife enthusiasts maybe consider themselves environmentalists would be anti-hunting they understand okay there are these what you know white-tailed deer run around in the woods and, and, and they do they do certain things at certain times of the year i have pictures of these deer i have seen them at close range i've watched the the, the hair on their throats ripple as they swallow acorns i've heard what it sounds like when they eat i i know their pat so i not only have knowledge of kind of the species in general, but I know deer individually. Mm. And, and I just think you have such a different level of respect and appreciation for an animal and you can make decisions on, okay, I, I need to harvest this buck because in a, in a couple of years, he's going to be past his prime and he probably needs to be taken out. He's not going to get any more mature than he is right now. That's kind of, that's kind of the difference. And, and quite frankly, it's, it's a little bit too nuanced of a point, I think, to make in a headline mm. to where people would understand, like the people that are killing these animals are also the people that love them and care for them the most. Maybe if you um, had your rifle, you'd actually be able to help too. <laughs> <laughs> if, if, I could, if I could just get close enough, I can make something happen. But you know, I, I've got some good bucks on camera and this weekend, there's going to be a deer in there danger. There you go. That's tell you for like sure. Oh, that's uh, the shooting you do. Yeah. Camera, <laughs> camera shooting. shooting. Nice. There you go. Trail uh, cameras, boys. <laughs> <laughs> that is uh, Tim Shelswick from Drury Outdoors. We're talking hunting and we are going to keep that conversation going got to take a quick break but don't go anywhere you're listening to second amendment radio and the great outdoors get that dirty point buck i'm contributing to the show why why if you have t-mobile 5g home internet you might be hearing this why a lot why every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours why why because your network gives priority to cell phone users why good question why not switch to cox internet with two times faster download speeds than t-mobile 5g home internet during peak hours okay stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5g home for details t-mobile prioritizes certain t-mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion you've never heard that i haven't chad's about ready to fall over it's it's fine it's called polka man it's fine you know (laughs) hey that's music it's my thing. People know that song. The hunters know that song. Tim, do you know that song? Yeah, our buddy Tim <laughs> Shelswick from Drury Outdoors back is joining up. us uh, back here on Second Amendment Radio and The Great Outdoors. And Tim, you know that song, right? I'm very... In fact, I had 
a Youper's cassette when I was a kid, and it had it didn't have Turning Point Buck on it, but it had, like looking back, it had some kind of racy music on it that I probably shouldn't have been listening Whoa. to. Probably not. Eleven or twelve year old. But, but doesn't that song was, encompass the deer camp? I mean, seriously, and the passion, and you get excited. A hundred percent. Yeah, and and, and everyone like deer hunting is kind of a great equalizer of people because uh, you know in deer cast people can upload their their kills and share them with other people, and we always get pictures of. This, you know, eight-year-old, my eight-year-old daughter went out for her first deer hunt, and she took this 160-inch uh, whitetail down in uh, down in uh, the lower part of Missouri or up in Iowa. And these, I mean, kids and uh, women that go out for their first time hunting, it's just, you just never know what's going to walk out. And it doesn't matter who you are, what, what kind of gear you have. Um, you just never know when the giant is going to show up, and that's what <laughs> motivates most of us to go out. Is it's it's uh, it's kind of the thrill of the hunt and not knowing what the potential really is. So, Tim, um, we like we mentioned, we're we're sort of uh, now in full swing of rifle season here in Missouri. We're about a a week into rifle season. People listening might be getting excited and uh, you know motivated to get out there and maybe take their kids for the first time, or maybe get out there for the first time. Uh, in years and years, uh, is there any just basic uh, advice that you give somebody that maybe hasn't been out in the woods for a very, very long time or bringing their uh, their kids for the first time to kind of uh, acclimate themselves back into the hunting lifestyle? Yeah, you know, uh, safety is obviously the, the most important thing. So make sure you're wearing your blaze orange and uh, make sure you know where your shots are going. Make sure that you're identifying your targets before you shoot, uh, because this also happens to be the time of year where you get the most inexperienced and most unpracticed people in the field. Because like you just mentioned, Tony, people are kind of brushing off or maybe have, have never been out before. So you want to make sure that you, that, 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 that all your bases are covered that when you're crossing a fence line or, um, or anything like that, that your gun is unloaded and that your gun's always pointed to the sky uh, j- just those things that, and, and, and in fact, it's, <laughs> there's a, a, an interesting duality here. It's typically not the newcomers, uh, that get themselves into trouble safety wise. And, and just in general, deer hunting is a very safe pastime. There are very few injuries relative to other sports and other pastimes, but it's the, it's the guys who do it all the time and get a little too complacent and they cut corners those are the ones that that guys like me, uh, we're th- that are in it, you know, all the time. We have to be the most careful about not taking shortcuts with safety. Yeah, overconfidence can be a bad thing. It, Go ahead, Bo. And just, uh, exactly. Just like any sport, though, if I haven't bowled in a long time, I can't just walk into a bowling alley and bowl, you know, two fifty. Uh, if you, I mean, this comes around once a year to go deer hunting. Now, I'm going to guess, Tim, that you are you're one of those people that goes out and pre hunts, where you're in the deer stand a few weeks beforehand, just kind of laying out the land. Is that is that true? Yeah, I mean, I'll 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 run cameras and I'll go out and sit in the truck and watch and observe. And I mean, I pretty much have a good idea what deer are, are around my properties and and where they're going. And that's a, a lot of guys. I mean, for a lot of guys, deer hunting is a year round, uh, activity. Cause if you're not actually actively hunting them, you're scouting, you're, you're running cameras, you're putting in food plots, you're doing all those kind of 
right. things to make your property um, accessible and, and attractive to deer. Okay, so if, uh, some deer friends of mine, uh, Chuck and Chucky from Eureka, they went hunting and they drive, you know, three or four hours north and they go up and, and I'm, I'm texting, of course, this technology can communicate with your hunter in the woods, but I text him yeah. and I'm like, why did you drive three and a half hours to go deer hunting when there are 15 deer on Highway W in Jefferson County? We need these cleaned up. <laughs> Uh, if if you hit a deer with a vehicle, what is somebody supposed to do? Hmm. Well, um, if you if you want to possess the deer, you have to get uh, you have to you have to contact your local uh, conservation agent and get a salvage tag to to recover it. Mm-hmm. Um, it. It's not legal, and and you hear about people doing this all the time. They see a a buck on the side of the road and they stop and they break out their hacksaw and hack off the antlers. You can't legally possess those antlers uh, without a, some kind of a salvage tag from the Missouri Department of Conservation. Tim, can you, can you, can you do that and then get the tag? Good or question. because you're, you know that this, these aren't going to be here long and I want to get this before, you know, they get damaged or something. Um, or is that still not, is that not the proper way to do it? Yeah, you you need to make the call right then and there, and the agent may exercise some discretion and say, uh, "Yeah, go ahead. I'll I'll get the paperwork going and issue you this salvage tag." Same thing if you we call them deadheads. If you find a deer in the woods and uh, and it's it's got its antlers still uh, attached, we call them deadheads. But that's something that you would call in and get a salvage tag for, and and, and just making that contact with the with a, uh, a conservation agent is what you need to do first and. Technically, I guess you're supposed to have the tag, but if if you verbally tell them, they give you permission. Yeah, you're probably you permission. covered, right? Yeah. So, and, uh, yeah, I've got, I've got a, a friend that uh, says, "Hey, if you ever hit a deer, because I mean, you see them all the time, and, and it's late at night." Number one question is the conservation department uh, answering the call 24 hours a day. Number two, can I just call my deer hunting buddy and say, "Hey, come get this. I just got it." I mean, and I'm not intending, and not intending, but I just mm-hmm. hit this deer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, you, you can possess that deer with a, um, uh, and, and as far as I know, I, I, I could be wrong, but my understanding is that you can possess, a, 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 if, if someone has a deer hunting permit and they want to slap a tag on that doe that you hit, if, if the meat is good and everything, uh, then they can do that. It would just be like they were taking it via a, a hunting method. But but you just, the, the idea is you just can't take a deer without, notifying the department of conservation they keep track of all that and because essentially all the fish forests and wildlife or the, the fish and the wildlife in the state unless they've been stocked privately belong to the citizens and so so th- they are kind of the governing body for ensuring there's record keeping and there's management of these animals so you can't just have people taking deer without without permits and without uh logging them so how long does it actually take for the salvage tag to to be obtained uh i i've done it a few times i want to say probably about a week or so mm. um it kind of depends on how busy the agent but is that's i think why it's important to get that verbal permission because obviously yeah. it's not going to sit there for a week you right. know what i mean and if you want to do it the right way i could i could see i could hear people saying like well if i do it the right way i'm not going to get the antlers, or I'm going right. to, you know, I'm Someone's not going to, I'm going to go yeah. behind me. There's going to be somebody else who's not doing it the right way, way and they're going to take advantage of it. But as long as you get that verbal permission, that goes a long way. I mean, it might not technically be legal, but it's going to give you a lot of clearance to do what you want to do. 
Yeah, and, and 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 every conservation agent I have ever met has been an upstanding individual. They understand the realities and they understand kind of what you're up against, and they've been extremely reasonable and accommodating to work with. Mm-hmm. Talking about uh, hunting with our buddy Tim Shelsbick from uh, Drury Outdoors. Want to remind folks that uh, this hunting segment is brought to you by our friends at Razorback Armory on Manchester. It's a full service firearm shop that strives to be the area's premier destination for firearm enthusiasts. Check out their website, RazorbackArmory.com. Tim, you mentioned earlier that, uh, you you mentioned bear earlier, and I said I had a story here. We're we're almost out of time. I want to go through this as quickly as we can. Uh, There's a story in the news this week that the Missouri Department of Conservation is trying to purchase a new helicopter that they want to use to track the state's growing bear population and help cull the state's feral hog population. Uh, Real quick, what um, uh, what kind of numbers are, are we looking at? And are, are bear becoming a real issue in the state? We all know feral hogs are, but bear is not something you think of in Missouri usually. Yeah, I, well, I'm, I've got friends that have property down in southern Missouri. They own an outfitting business called Devil's Backbone Outfitters. They've got black bear on camera. Uh, there wow. are black bear out in Eureka um, uh, in the Wildwood area. Uh, so, so they're definitely encroaching. I think what the Department of Conservation wants to do is ensure that they never really become an issue. And obviously people have to take uh, preventative measures to ensure that they're not providing kind of an attractive nuisance for bear, uh, but that but that there's a, a large enough pop, a huntable population that's sustainable, that's healthy. Bears are predators, and so they can help keep deer and other populations in check. Yeah. I think the goal is to have a healthy, sustaining population and I'm not sure where we are right now in terms of just a flat-out number, but we must be getting close to that healthy population point because, like, a, like you mentioned, uh, the Department of Conservation is talking about instituting a bear season very, yeah. very soon. The two best things a hunter can do, in my opinion, to help themselves this hunting season is to download the uh, DeerCast app from Drury Outdoors and listen to the 100% Wild podcast uh, that uh, our friend Tim Shelsvik is the co-host of. Tim, how can people get the app and hear your show? Yep, the app is free to download. Uh, you can go to DeerCast.com or the Apple Store or the Google Play Store, download it. There is a uh, $9.99 a year version and a $19.99 a year version. Uh, so you pick what you want. You get more tools with uh, with a higher level. And then the Drury Outdoors 100% Wild podcast is uh, gettable anywhere you get podcasts. This last episode, Matt Drury and I talk about how to balance family life during the rut because we all want to be out in a tree stand, but you got to be careful not to burn bridges back home. So we talk about how to do both. Uh, you have family to keep- tend to, as you mentioned, tending. <laughs> That is correct. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, you got to keep the home fires burning while you keep your deer campfires burning. You can't let either go out. Yes, good nice stuff. Tim Shelsvik from Drury Outdoors and thethinkingwoodsman.com. You can check him out in both places. Uh, great talking to you, my friend. We'll talk to you again real soon. All right, see you, boys. Have All a good right. Thanksgiving. You bet. And uh, just a reminder, uh, thanks for reminding me of that, Bo. We will be here next weekend, Thanksgiving week, and we will have a new show for you. So uh, make sure you are listening to us next week and every week uh, to Second Amendment Radio and the Great Outdoors. For my partner, Bo Matthews, and our producer, Chad Ellis, I'm Tony Colombo. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Get more at 971talk.com. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. 
But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams, thanks for everything, Mom and Dad, will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org slash savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. 